Joshua 24, verses 1 through 15. Hear now God's holy word. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them and covered them, and your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the, into the land of the Amorites who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before, before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he continued to bless you So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat of, their, eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. And now here's our text. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that, are, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So far we read from God's holy word. <clears throat> Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the events in Joshua chapter 24 bear the mark of of an ending point, but also of a new beginning point for Israel. Joshua, God's faithful servant, was now at the end of his life. He was about 110 years old, we read elsewhere. And he has the opportunity now to look backwards, if you will, to reflect upon all the amazing, wonderful works 
of God's redemption, of him covenanting with his people Israel. He looks back upon what has all taken place and how God has delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage and finally bringing them into the promised land. We would say Israel has finally come home to rest eh, in God's in the place that God had prepared for them. <clears throat> they have ended a certain phase in their life and now they must begin a new phase with the Lord. And there's something here of that too for you as well. Samantha, having come to uh, some time of instruction, having come to the end of that, and uh, you now by God's grace making a public profession of your faith and later this week to be married, you, you indeed too are coming to a, a new point in your life. You perhaps look back on what God has done for you and you realize now you're beginning a new chapter in your life with Him. And at such a kind of a point, we see God's people in our scripture this morning, congregation of God's servant, Joshua, commanding Israel to serve the Lord in this time of transition. And that's our theme this morning, God's servant, Joshua, commands Israel to serve the Lord. <clears throat> and so I command you as well, Samantha, together with all God's people in view of the work of redemption accomplished in your lives, you too are called upon to now serve the Lord, serve Him with all your heart. That's the command that God here sets forth for His people in beginning of chapter, chapter 24, verse 1. It's a kind of a God renewing his covenant now with his people as they are ready to enter the promised land. We read there in verse 1, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for all their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, and from then on, Joshua begins to recount, looking back upon what God had all done for his people, redeeming them out of Egyptian bondage and out of, out of their slavery uh, to, to, to the king of Pharaoh. And he begins to recount, going back all the way to Abraham, to tell them, to show them where they came from. And from the point of Abraham being called out of Babylon, moving forward all the way to this point here in in Joshua 24, uh, Joshua kind of sweeps, uh, makes a survey of all of that wonderful work of God. And then he charges them, having God done so much, now God has something very special to say. Now I charge you before, before me that you are to serve the Lord. We read that two times in verse 14. <clears throat> And so in the first place, congregation, God having commanded his people to serve the Lord, we see first off that the Lord commands us to serve him in sincerity and truth. In sincerity and in truth, in view of his redemption. We hear at verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the on the other side of the river, that is to say, in, in, on the other side of the Euphrates, and, and what you served in Egypt. And he says, now serve the Lord. Yes, serve the Lord God in sincerity and in truth, in view of his wonderful works of redemption. We look at that work of redemption that God did uh, for Abraham. We read in verse 3 how he took him out 
from the other side of the river, from a long ways away to the east in Babylon. And he took Abraham from there, and he brought him into the land of Canaan, and gave to Abraham Isaac, we read. And Isaac, we know, was the one who would be the one who would continue to bring forth that seed of the woman, which would finally tra translate into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And so we see congregation, that work of redemption that was begun then was for us too now. For the Christ was to come from Isaac. It was a work of redemption when God furthermore called Abraham to stop worshiping those gods on the other side of the river. He took him out of that paganism, out of that darkness, out of that idolatry, and, and brought him to himself and caused him and his children to worship the one true living God of heaven and earth. Talk about a redemption for Abraham already. And so it was that work of redemption that God continued to undertake. We read in verse 4 and following how he chose Isaac and Jacob and guided them and multiplied their descendants so that in time they became a nation church. And sending in verse 5 we read Moses and Aaron to lead them forth out of Egypt and to deliver them from Pharaoh's chariots and his horsemen at the Red Sea. We see it was redemption all the way. That was the road that they were on that God was taking them on into, into a, a, not only the promised land, but to, into life itself, into fellowship with God, delivering them from ignorance, from idolatry, from slavery, into the marvelous light of his kingdom for their salvation. And isn't that the essence of the covenant of grace? Now, in view of that wonderful work of redemption, now serve him in sincerity and in truth. Look at what he has all done for you. And it comes down to this in verse 14. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Joshua says, verse 14, now there, fear the Lord. What does that mean? Well, he gives the answer serve him in sincerity and in truth. We're not afraid of God, but with sincere and humble hearts and truthful hearts guided by his spirit, we do all we can by his grace to now serve the Lord. Two times that serving of the Lord is mentioned in verse 14. He adds, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and then again, he says, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. In view of their redemption from Egyptian slavery and the Egyptian gods, God was now not asking Israel for some kind of half-hearted service. He wasn't saying, serve me whenever it's convenient to you, when you've got the time to serve me. He doesn't ask that of any of us either. Nobody says, no but, he says, in, he says, serve me in sincerity. Sincerity has that, that whole idea of, of completeness. You're doing something with all your heart to its completion. It's not half done, half baked. You don't serve God simply half the time, and the other half of the time you serve what you want to do, perhaps your money. No, but serve me with all your heart, Joshua is saying to Israel. 
serve, serve God genuinely, serve God without any kind of hypocrisy. This word sincerity has that whole idea of integrity. That's why Joshua adds, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Serve him uh, with all your heart. Mean what you say when you say, I profess Jesus Christ is my God and my Savior. Uh, and you too, Samantha, having made profession of your faith, may it truly be from the very bottom of your heart. You have shown to the elders of this church that you believe the doctrine contained in the Old and the New Testament as which is taught in this Christian church. Now put that faith of yours into practice that people can see she's sincere about her faith. She is showing us what it means to live for Christ. We can see it in her actions. We see it in her, in, in her confession, what she speaks of. In view of God redeeming us from our sins, congregation, having saved us from the wrath to come, now therefore serve God in sincerity and in truth. I can't look into your heart, Samantha, but what the elders have heard from you tells us that you have experienced God's redemption. Now live that redeemed Christian life in sincerity and truth. What does that truth look like? Well, of course, it's nothing other but that very word of God. May that very, very word of God guide your footsteps, may it inform you with wisdom and knowledge when you're dealing with issues as to how to live in life, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. Go to God's word as the standard to give you wisdom and direction, to give you understanding of what is the right way to go and how it is we are to live rightly. Live under the authority of the word of God as the standard by which you will live and uh, in accordance with the promises that you have made. You see, that was the kind of crossroads that Israel was at as well at the end of Joshua's life. They were now in the promised land. God had defeated all their enemies before them, inside the land and out. They'd received his, his, his covenant law. They had received the promises of his grace and Abraham's seed. Now God says, serve me and you will live. But if you forsake me, you will die. It's really that simple. There's nothing too hard about that here. Or believe in Abraham's seed, who I have promised, in whom all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and you will live. And do not believe the promises of Abraham, given to Abraham, and you will surely die. You will. It's really no different from us either. We are in the same covenant of grace that God established with Abraham. It's one and the same throughout the history of the life of the church. Wherein God calls his people to faith and repentance in accordance with the saving grace that is in Jesus Christ. Oh, serve God and you will live. You maybe thought it was perhaps somewhat shocking or surprising that God would, through Joshua, still have to command the Israelites in verse 14 when he says, serve me in sincerity and truth. And then hear this. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. You think, does Joshua really have to say that again? Now put away all the gods that your fathers served? You must understand that they had 
seen all that God had done. They had seen and, and, and tasted of the heavenly manna God had given to them and their fathers. They had seen the water flow out of the rock by which they received water to drink in that dry and thirsty land. They had seen the pillar of fire to guide them by night. They had seen that bright and glorious cloud that would go before them all the step of their way those 40 years in the wilderness. They had seen of God's mighty power as he destroyed all their enemies before them as if they were nothing. He even says in verse 13, uh, verse 12, I sent the hornet before you which drove out from before you also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword and not with your bow. They, they'd seen all of that, congregation. They see God at work in their lives. They knew his law. They knew his covenant curses on disobedience, but they also knew his covenant blessings that come with obedience. They was service to God. They had seen that the gods of the Egyptians were indeed false and vain and useless gods, worthless powers. And yet, Joshua still had to say at that moment, now put away the gods which your fathers served, or the gods that are now present in the land of the Amorites wherein you live. As if to say it was still within their capacity to serve two gods. On the one hand, the gods of your fathers, perhaps, some of the gods that still were influencing them, the gods from Babylon, but also the Lord God of heaven and earth. Doesn't that kind of tell us something? That we are so inclined with, as sinful creatures to still want to serve two masters, like your money and Jesus Christ at the same time, and think we can serve them both, and, we can, and, and we'll still be just as blessed. Is that the truth? No, it's not. It's not. God commands us to serve Him with all our heart, with our whole heart, in 100% of the time. That is to say, sincerely, you see, and in truth, and Him alone as God. And Joshua seeks to drive this point home further to them in the next verse congregation. Indeed, we see that the profession of the faith of all of us kind of boils down to this one thing in verse 15 where Joshua says further, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, that already sounds like a, a different kind of a statement if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, like where Abraham came from, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We see in the second place congregation Choose whom you will serve in response to God's command. God is making, giving them a command here in verse 15. Who are you going to serve? Which one will it be? That word choose at the beginning of the verse, choose for yourself, is, a, is an imperative in the Hebrew. It's a very strong sounding word. It, it comes with a lot of determination and sense of responsibility for each of God's people, choose whom you will, you, you, whom you yourselves will serve this day. 
Which God will it be? That made me think of what John writes to the church in 1 John 4 verse 1 where John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In other words, as you hear all the kinds of stuff you're hearing in the media, as you hear of all kinds of philosophies and perspectives upon about what this world is like, what way it's going, what we are to do, how we are to find peace and all of that. Choose the spirits. Choose which one it is that really speaks the truth and what is just a bunch of lie after lie after lie. Choose him who is real. Choose him who is holy and true, who is full of grace and love and mercy. Choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Choose the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Oh, we know he's also a God of justice. Choose him too because of that. He is the one who does punish unrepentant sin. Sure, he sure does. Look what he did to the Egyptians when they came pursuing the Israelites. He drowned them all in the Red Sea. Choose that God. Choose this God who destroyed the council of that wicked magician Balaam when he was hired to curse Israel. The king of Moab hired him thinking that by this means, with the curse of Balaam being on him, Israel would be so weakened that the king of Moab could destroy them. But God destroyed his wicked counsel. That's the God you want, congregation. That is the God you want, who is the same, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's the one who redeemed you from your sin and hell. He is the same one who sent his only begotten son congregation, our beloved Lord Jesus Christ. Is the very same God who years back delivered Israel from the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. In a word, these were all the enemies of God's people. They all would have devoured up and destroyed God's people if, if Israel was simply left to their own power. But God destroyed their enemies because of their sin, because they were in the grip of Satan and were living so contrary to God's holy will for these last four or five hundred years. Oh, if you want to be exact as to which God you need to serve, it's this one, the one who gathers his church from all the nations of the world who has elected his own before the foundation of the world and calls them to himself and at the same time is destroying the kingdom of Satan. That's the God you want. The one who was full of grace and mercy and compassion who sent his only begotten son to be the savior of the world. He is Abraham's seed for sure. See how we're not talking about any kind of a generic kind of a God, brothers and sisters? We're not trying to espouse in the least a kind of any God, any kind of God mentality will do. And I say this because Israel was in that kind of a situation. They had all kinds of gods they could choose from. Notice how the author speaks about all the gods whom your father served on the other side of the river. And then on top of that, all the gods who, who are 
who are in the, in the land of the Amorites, whom the Canaanites are serving. There was plenty of gods to choose from, but they could choose only one who was holy and true and who was full of grace. He's the only God who doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if we look at that today, congregation, see how all the gods of the Babylonians and of the Assyrians and of the Egyptians, where are all these gods today? If they really were God, they should be around today, right? Well, they're all history. They're gone. They're in the, they're in the, in, in, in the, in the dustbin of history. They're in the dust. They don't exist. I guess they weren't much, were they? But the God of Israel, he endures, he remains. He's the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of your salvation, who loves us with the most tender and compassionate of love, the kind of love we, we so desperately need. And yet here's the thing. If it seems evil to you today to serve this holy God. Then choose for yourself which God you will serve. If it seems bad or dis a distasteful business to serve this God of the Holy Scriptures who delivered Israel out of bondage, then choose the God that you think is not evil to you. And then you choose the God whom you in your opinion think is the best for you. That's what Joshua is saying. He's a realist, all right. He knows what kind of religious environment the children of Israel are living in. It's no different than today. So many people today think you're absolutely foolish. You're totally old-fashioned if you worship the Lord God of the Bible because he's obsolete. The unbelieving secular world today thinks that the God of the Bible doesn't exist. And so how can you be so dumb are out of touch with reality to believe in this God. Increasingly, we, we, we hear and we read within secular education that, that it, it, its main objective is to destroy every vestige of Christianity that is still left in the world, and they, and they are teaching the children of this new generation to believe that there is no God. And therefore, there is no truth. And therefore, there's no ultimate answers with regard to what reality is all about or where it came from. And, uh, and there's therefore no right and wrong. There's no eternal, unchanging God. And so if you still worship this God of the Bible, you've got to be absolutely weird. You need to be re-educated. That's what they're dealing with in the, United States, in the United States now with all this critical race theory education that they're driving into down the throats of a whole generation of Americans. Millions of children are under now this demonic influence within their schools. And yet Joshua would have had those within his own ranks as well, the doubters, the skeptics, who thought Joshua was way too narrow-minded Joshua, you're way too inflexible if you only want to trust in this one true God of heaven and earth who has done so much for us. You see, there are still these other gods out there too, aren't there? The gods beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land we dwell. Maybe they're worth checking out too and see what they have to offer for us. And maybe they're okay. 
they might be a whole lot easier to serve and much more acceptable to serve than the God of Israel. Congregation, there are so many competing gods today, aren't there, who compete for your loyalty, who want to win your heart, and Satan is busy deceiving us all the time to believe in them. And so, which God will it be? Which one? Your God, who has revealed himself in his holy word, or your money? But Joshua had it right here, brothers and sisters. Talk about a good profession of faith. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All those other gods, throw them out. But we will serve the Lord. This was a true profession that came from the lips and from the heart of Joshua speaking on behalf of all God's people to walk in this way and to believe this gospel. The God of his fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, come what may, Joshua was going to serve this God, Jehovah God, with all his strength, with every bone in his body, with every purpose of his heart, This God he knew was his hope, was his joy, was his salvation, and was his peace. He says, as for me and my house, hey, fathers have the authority and the position to lead their house in the way of the truth. You dads, you fathers, this is the religious business that God has entrusted to you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. May this profession describe you, describe us all. May it regulate you too, Samantha, all the days of your life and the years to come. Put away all the false gods that are around you. Get them out of your mind and away from your heart, the gods that will tempt you. And when you, by God's providence, in the coming years, uh, Samantha, with your new husband, Begin to build your house. May this be your profession as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Congregation, this is a confession for life, isn't it? But it's more. It's a confession of life and of joy and of peace in the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, who bought us with his own precious blood. He is our God. Amen.